we have with us John Parker, um, who is the CEO of the ARB Association, and we're very glad to welcome him to this podcast by Green Blue Urban today. So good morning, John. How are you today? Morning, Howard. I'm very well, thank you. It's very nice to uh, very nice to see you. Very nice to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Congratulations on your new role within the ARB Association. Now tell me, how does this differ from your previous role as uh, technical support? Well, I guess that the buck stops here now, I guess, is the, is the difference. I, I always used to be able to palm off all my uh, all my mistakes elsewhere, but now it's a rest with me. Um, no, it's, it's a different role. It's an expanded role. Obviously, it's more uh, responsibility. There's more looking at the, the business side of things as well as just the technical side. I'm still lucky. I've got the same great team here as I was working with before. We've got some absolutely fantastic people working here at the association and, and they're just brilliant and they're always brilliant. But the last 12 months or more, it's been very difficult, as we know, and they've been uh, absolutely amazing. So it's a, it's a new role. It's an expanded role. Um, I probably won't be able to get as quite as involved in the technical stuff as, as previously, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not going to leave our Bora culture entirely. I'm going to be uh, I'll still be fiddling here and there. That's very good. Well, we hope you aren't going to because we've appreciated within the industry your knowledge and we hope that once you now you've climbed to the ivory towers, we won't be losing that to the industry. <laughs> it doesn't look like an ivory tower from where I'm sitting now, I can tell you, but yeah. That's really great. And and you've come to the, this role really at a critical point within our borough culture where the, the necessity of green infrastructure has never been seen like it has now. And this last 18 months have really opened people's eyes to the value that we actually have within our public realm, um, in terms of especially in terms of trees. And the government's really kind of noticing that. And there have been a lot of awards out there to help many towns and cities become more tree friendly, plant more trees, revive the high streets. And, um, and and on the surface, this seems like a really great idea that this money is available. But do you think there's sufficient money out there? And, and, and do you think there's going to be long term provision for looking after this green infrastructure and the new planting? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's always a problem, isn't it? I think, first of all, you're absolutely right. The, the last 18 months has obviously been a terrible time. But for our profession, I think the advantage is that more people are appreciating trees and green spaces than they have done previously, particularly through the, uh, the lockdown periods. One thing it has highlighted, which we probably haven't got time to go into today, but is is green inequity and you know who's got access to those green spaces. If if you've got a garden or a well-maintained park very close to you, then you were fine. Um, but there are many, many people who don't have those street trees, who don't have those open spaces near to them. So we all need to be focusing more closely on green equity as well. Um, but yes, it's great that the government is is still banging the drum for trees. But as you know, we've we've talked many times over the years. It's uh, it's really easy to plant a tree. You know, stick a tree in the ground. It's a, it's a 10, 15 minute job. Um, but there's a lot of work goes into that beforehand in the production and the selection and through the nursery, the tree officer, the landscaper, whoever it is making those decisions. And then for years, decades, maybe centuries afterwards with the maintenance, the management, the inspections and all that kind of thing. Uh, and we really still need to be trying to get the government and others to focus on tree establishment rather than just tree planting. Planting is an important bit, but it's far from being the only bit. So uh, any government grants like this, instead of just throwing money at tree officers who are already struggling to look after what they've got because of the various cuts they've faced, um, they need to be looked after for the maintenance, the management and tree officers need to be supported properly. 
That's very interesting. So do you think um, as a portion of the capital sum that's out there for planting should be allocated really for long term maintenance rather than spending the whole lot on putting as many trees in the ground as we can? Is that a sensible way around it? Yeah, I think there there are difficulties there. And I know from my days of managing trees, you know, trying to divide up capital budgets, revenue budgets, looking at where your commuted maintenance sums go, how many different pots of money have you got rolling over from year to year. But in principle, yes, we, we need people to acknowledge that uh, you're not going to improve our urban forests just by sticking trees in the ground. You need to look after them properly going forward. And maintenance is a critical part of that and it has to be funded properly. And do you think that there's any way we can actually minimise the maintenance that is required by upfront better planting methodologies in your yeah. experience? Yeah, of course. I mean, you lots of the problems that I experienced as a tree manager were caused by trees that have been sort of planted badly, really, either put in, in pits that weren't very good or the wrong species selected or, or planted without any engagement with the local community. All those problems we can get rid of some of those issues up front through proper tree pits, through proper planting materials, through proper young tree maintenance, selecting trees properly, making sure the biosecurity is taken into account. Um, so yeah, a lot of the problems that we face later, further down the line can be addressed uh, from the outset if we do it properly. I think that's that's very very helpful. <clears throat> the other thing is, of course, the government is kind of moving forward on this idea that all new developments should be tree lined, which I think is a lovely idea in practice. And we often see some beautiful, uh, computer generated images of what this new development is going to look like. But in practice, we've got below ground constraints, we've got utility easements, we've got NHBC regulations in relation to trees and foundations, um, and we've got a whole, whole raft of issues over adoptions. Do you think there's going to have to be some legislative change to actually enable this long term? Yeah, I think I think there will be. I mean, the, again, it's positive that the government's saying that they want to make sure that all new streets have trees alongside them. But in, in my sort of 10 years tree management, I never saw a new street. I saw an awful lot of trying to retrofit trees into existing streets. Um, and that's really the difficulty. So, yes, if you've got big developments going in, if you have got new streets, then I'm sure there are ways to plant trees properly alongside them. But what we're seeing all too often, again, you, you probably haven't got to go too far away from uh, uh, from your home or from, from your listeners' homes to find a housing development. And what you'll see is little front gardens. And in the front garden will be uh, a birch or a pirate chanticleer or a um, field maple. And it will have sort of one stake badly tied to it. You won't know where the trees come from and there'll be no mulch around the base. And everybody knows what's going to happen in two or three years time. That tree is going to die. Um, so we there's still a risk of the sort of greenwashing. People just ticking the box saying we're planting X number of trees. And again, it comes down to the maintenance going forward. And yes, the government perhaps need to look at some sort of legislative measures for that. But also this is a, a role that tree officers are there to fulfill. If there's planning conditions about planting trees, tree officers are the ones who are supposed to be going out there, making sure those planning conditions have been met and holding the developers to account. But they're unable to do that in the way that they want to do it because they simply don't have the time or the resources or the support to get out there and get that job done. So again, it comes back to proper resourcing of tree officers and proper money for establishment, not just planting. Well, that's, that's good. Uh, I've um, come across one local authority in Buckinghamshire where they're actually um, insisting on a minimum of 25% of the site being covered by canopy within 10 years. 
So when you're actually putting your application in, your tree species selection actually has to reflect the fact the size of the canopy they want to achieve. Do you think that's actually quite an intelligent way of moving forward in, in that sort of scenario? I think it's a it's a good proposal. I like the idea. I think that canopy cover can be a better metric than tree planting numbers, certainly. Um, but then again, in experience, 10 years is a, is a long time and you will probably end up in a situation and this is not to cast aspersions on the developers or on that particular local authority. But people will sign an agreement now to make sure that in 10 years time there'll be a certain canopy cover and no one who's involved in agreeing that agreement will still be there in 10 years time who will be looking at it in 10 years time who will be holding them to account if that canopy cover is far far less and uh, lower than it should be is someone going to be called to account for that i find it quite hard to imagine that they will be to be honest so uh, I'm, I'm i'm an old cynic coward so maybe i should just be a bit more optimistic but it's a great idea but again it's in the implementation it's in the monitoring yeah and I, i'm sure that's right and i've been to developments even when trees been planted quite well but within five years, they've been knocked about or vandalised or whatever. And, and it's very hard to find anybody that's really taking an interest on that. And this brings us on to tree species. As you've mentioned this a couple of times, again, the right species. And there's quite a strong um, native only body out there within our in our boroculture and within the landscape world. Um, my thought, thought about that is it could limit us quite seriously in the future. But but how can we get around this issue? How, how, how can we plant more intelligently in terms of species selection? I think the, the native non-native debate is, is one that continually rumbles on and it gets a bit emotive. Um, I feel very strongly about it. I think there should be no place for a discussion about whether it's native or non-native in an urban environment. If we want healthy urban forests for future generations, we need to diversify our tree stock. We need to be planting a range of different species from a range of different places. Um, we need to be thinking about the future climate. We need to be thinking about pests and diseases. Um, so yeah, if we want to maximize the ecosystem services that we want our trees to deliver to society, then we have to have a diverse range of tree species to do that. I think what seems to have happened at the moment is that, you know, trees, tree planting very high at the agenda. That's brilliant. But it seems to maybe be focusing a bit too much at the moment on just two benefits of trees, which is the carbon sequestration and the biodiversity. Obviously, both those are important things. But when you just focus too much on one or two benefits, I think it detracts from the other benefits. And what we're ending up with is proposals for the mass tree planting of native whips. Now that may be completely suitable in some places, but in an urban area, it's really not gonna help very much. So again, it's about pushing that message that trees are multifunctional infrastructure. They do loads of stuff to differing uh, amounts, depending on what species, what size, what area, and all that sort of thing. Um, and if we wanna maximize those benefits, we've got to diversify our tree species. I think that's really good. We could call this this, this the old chestnut of, of, of native planting, but <laughs> perhaps it's not quite an accurate ex expression. Now, and I think it's really important and particularly looking ahead in terms of climate change, what we are aware of is happening and what's going to continue to happen. I think we're going to have to look a bit wider abroad and then really that will encourage the nurseries to actually grow such other species that perhaps haven't been on our uh, palate ch choice um, up till recently. And, I, and then I think if, if I could just add there as well, Howard, sorry, because you've said something important there, which is 
often when talking particularly to politicians or to policy makers, I think there's a bit of a confusion between native and non-native as one issue and then imported and UK grown as another issue. And there seems to be this sort of misunderstanding that maybe native trees are grown in the UK and non-native trees aren't grown in the UK. So one reason for not planting non-native trees uh, is because of the risk of pests and diseases coming into the country. And of course, as we all know, that's simply not the case at all. Um, we need to be encouraging more trees to be grown in the UK. We need to be ensuring that we're supporting our nurseries and our suppliers so that they can make the investments they need to make with the assurances that further down the line, they're actually going to be able to sell those trees. But again, at the association, we do make the point, there's nothing wrong with importing trees. If we're going to meet the tree planting targets that are being set out, we have to import trees because there aren't enough trees probably in the whole of Europe, let alone the UK, to deliver on the tree planting commitments that have been made. Importing trees is fine, but doing it responsibly, following the regulations, following the rules, getting your plant passports, looking at quarantine so that um, when these trees are coming in, they're not going straight out into the street or into a park. They're being monitored beforehand. So it's not about stopping importations. It's about making sure things are imported and sourced responsibly and sustainably. Oh, that's very good. Um, and I think that is helpful because we're seeing quite some significant shortages of tree stock actually currently in the market. A number of nurseries are, are telling us that they are really, really struggling. And and what we want to see is, as well is, is other younger people coming up with the same levels of enthusiasm for arboriculture. Um, how do you think we can actually encourage more young people into this industry, in, in, in particularly into urban forestry, where there's a real need of enthusiasm and, and overcoming hurdles? Say something about that. Yeah, so succession in arboriculture, as we sometimes refer to as, you know, where, where is the, the next generation of uh, arboriculturalists coming from? It's a hot topic. It's a very difficult one. We we do have, uh, we, we do need more high quality candidates for all the different roles that the different parts of our sector are recruiting to. Um, so we need more people coming into the industry from school. We need more people who are looking for career changes. Uh, we need to make it look more attractive. We've got to make sure that any attempts to increase the number of people coming into the industry and the profession are reflective of our wider society. Our profession uh, is not in any way representative of the society that we serve. Um, most people working in arboriculture look a bit like us, Howard. And, you know, we need to address that. We need to find out what those barriers are. We need to make sure that we have a more diverse workforce. So that's really, really important. And uh, it's something that the Arb Association is certainly uh, looking at. Um, but also what we need to do is make it a more attractive career choice in general. I think arboriculture often has a bit of an image problem. We're, we're an unregulated industry. Anyone can go out by themselves a chainsaw, call themselves a tree surgeon. Some of those people I'm sure are absolutely wonderful at it, but a lot of them aren't. And um, a lot of damage can be done to our reputation through people calling themselves arborists who are not arborists. And that is something we have to overcome as well, because, you know, I'm sure we've all had this when, we, when someone says, so what do you do? You say, oh, I work in arboriculture. And they say, what? And then you say trees. And then they go, oh, you're a tree surgeon. You say, well, not exactly. Then you try and explain it. Um, people don't know what arboriculture means. People don't know what range of roles and jobs are available in arboriculture. It's an amazing, exciting, diverse, rewarding career. We need to be telling more people about that whilst also raising the reputation of our profession and demonstrating that you know we are a profession. And that's something else that's important as well. Arboriculture is a standalone profession. 
we're not just part of another profession. We're not part of, you know, we're part of a wider sector. We're part of the wider environmental sector. We need to work closely with horticulture, with forestry, with, with all these different sort of environmental umbrella groups, but we're a standalone profession and we need to be treated as such. And that's essential to getting more, better, more diverse people in so that we can properly look forward to a better sort of future of our urban forests. I think that's really, really good. And, and that really enthuses me um, when you go to some of these colleges um, such as Rittle or, or Myers Co. And what we see is a, a really enthusiastic younger people who, who want to move on in the industry. And Green Blue Urban are actually sponsoring um, a PhD student on urban forestry at the moment for the last uh, two and a half years. And that for us is what this is all about. What, what do we know? And and then what, what do we need to know? And so over this next 10 years, I think we're going to see some quite quite big changes in terms of how we are using our urban environments, particularly our retail districts. I can see some real big changes in the use of some of those um, premises. Um, how do you think our borough culture is going to change? How do you think it's going to adapt to these changes we are, we're likely to see? Yeah, well, hopefully some of those uh, next generation that we've just talked about in the next 10 years will be coming through and making those changes. I, on, on that point you just made, I would say as well that it's great to go out and talk to the students at Myers Co, at Rittle, at Capel and everything, but there we're talking to people who've already decided to go into our borough culture. We need to be taking steps back. We need to be going into the schools. We need to be engaging with school children and telling them that there is a career out there where you can go and climb trees or look at trees or whatever. You know, if someone had come and told me that when I was at school, I would have thought that sounded pretty amazing. But um, so hopefully some of these people will be moving through and, and bringing their own ideas. We need to continue to push for urban trees to be seen as critical infrastructure, not just something that's green and fluffy and nice to have. I think we've done a lot of work on that in recent years. We've got to push for it. We, What we're obviously trying to do at the association is, you know, we, we obviously promote the importance of trees. Uh, that's a big part of what we do. But we're also promoting the importance of the people who work with trees, of the arboriculture profession, of the wider tree care community. And I'm hoping that over the next 10 years, we can sustain this interest in trees from the wider public and from the political sphere, but that we can build on that and make them realise that, you know, if you like trees, you really have to care about arboriculture as well, because in an urban environment, these trees don't just do it themselves. They need people working on them. And those people are highly skilled professionals working in a wide range of roles, and they are in some ways as important as the trees themselves. So we've got to you know, we've done brilliant work in moving from trees being seen as a hazard, a problem, something to be dealt with. Then we've moved into the bit where, well, they do look kind of nice, so they're a good thing. Then we've pushed through that into the quantification of benefits, the huge body of scientific research, which proves all of the fantastic trees, uh, the things that trees do for us, the, you know, the environmental, social and economic benefits we all know so well. That's brilliant. Now we need to take that next step. And I think the next step is getting people to understand that our boriculture and tree care professionals are key in this process. I think that's very, very helpful, really, that we're all responsible. Every one of us is responsible for, for trees that are on our property or around our property and take an interest in them. 
Um, and, and it's one of the things that we, we did two years ago, we working with the local school, we actually planted a tree in the play, in the playground or next to the playground. All the children were involved in planting it and they were understanding what trees do, why they do it. And I think this is, that's what you say is very interesting, that if we can um, capture their interest um, and their attention uh, to actually make us all perhaps a little more responsible uh, with looking after it. We, as in, in this country, we've kind of got to this point where if it's in the public realm, it's somebody else's job to look after. But yeah. Taking responsibility ourselves will give us actually and our future generations a better quality of life. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's our urban forest. It's everyone's urban forest. And this is something that, again, the tree officers know well. You know, the tree officers are the custodians of the urban trees. They look after a tree for a little bit, but it's probably been there for a long time before they turned up and it'll be there for a long time afterwards. So we all have to take responsibility. The, the other thing I say, finally, sorry, on the um, on the next 10 years I touched on it previously about sort of green equity. Something else I really hope to see is that the coronavirus situation, the restrictions, the access to green space that people had um, or didn't have will start focusing minds on green equity and green inequity. And, you know, we know that trees bring lots of benefits to people, but who is getting those benefits? Are those benefits equally spread throughout society? And of course, as we all know, they're not, they're not at all. So I hope that also you know, a lot of great work is being done in, in other parts of the world on this green equity issue. But I'm hoping that it's going to become something far more central to how we approach it in the UK too, which is, you know, we what what we do is for the trees, but really we're doing it for the people, aren't we? We're doing it for society. And if we're doing this for society, we need to make sure that society is benefiting equally. Um, and that some people are not uh, missing out on access to these green spaces for socioeconomic reasons or whatever it may be. I think that's very good. So what we at Green Blue Urban are really agitating for is some sort of parity between green and grey and even blue, so that we're actually, by using of suds, we're actually getting better trees. We're getting um, those 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 host of different benefits, um, but we're also getting some of the money from the drainage budget, which is mm -hmm always more than there ever was for our borough culture. Absolutely. So thank you very much, John. Really appreciate your, your time today. And I think that's given me some certainly some fresh insights on what we need to be doing. Brilliant. Thank, thank you, Howard. It's been really nice to chat. Thank you.